Alright wrestling fans, welcome into Rope Break, episode 8, a pro wrestling podcast on the most special of holidays. It's Halloween, you guys! We get to dress up and we get to go to our neighbor's house and we get to eat all the candy and our parents can't tell us that we can't stay up late and watch wrestling and eat all the chocolate because it's Halloween, we get to do what we want! And that's exactly what we'll be doing today on episode 8 of Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast available wherever you get your pro wrestling podcasts on Spotify, on YouTube for the video version, and of course, live every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, 9.30 a.m. Pacific on Twitch, and uh, today begins, I suppose, the experiment of simulcasting it on YouTube as well here for Halloween. It's just it's just a bumping, exciting day. There's a lot going on, and speaking of a lot going on, if you are watching live or watching the video podcast, you see me in costume. You're probably thinking, wow, you sure do look amazing in that poncho and that hat, Greg Flynn. Uh, who did you dress up as for Halloween today? And I'll answer that, uh, intrepid, greasy rope break listener. I dressed up as myself. I dressed up as Greg Flynn. What are you talking about? Well, this is what I'm talking about. This is from the EFED that I do. Our last Halloween show was called Lucha de los Muertos. That was Sunday night. That was two nights ago. And that was just a huge fucking undertaking for me and a number of people uh, who are involved in the EFED. And it was a Halloween party, excuse me, and it was a costume party, and it was so much fun, and this is what I wore announcing the show, so I thought I would wear it again for Halloween, so I'm kind of like, I'm like kayfabe Greg Flynn, I'm not like real life Greg Flynn, I dressed up as kayfabe Greg Flynn for Halloween this year, that's what I did, and I'm good with it, I like it, I like it, and I like dressing up, and I like being silly, that's one of my favorite things about the EFED, which is my which is my segue and my hint into the topic for today's podcast. Today's pod is going to be a little bit different. I don't know exactly how long it's going to be. I've felt that way before. I've felt in previous episodes like, well, gee, maybe this is only 15 minutes of ranting and then two hours will pass by and I'm still talking about pro wrestling. So I never know what to expect when I write these outlines to a certain extent. But I thought for Halloween that it would be appropriate if we talked about what our favorite wrestling company chose to dress up as for Halloween. Because dressing up is like, this is like the best part. I mean, I guess the candy is the best part, but you got to earn the candy through the dressing up, which means this is part of the best part too. So the million dollar question is, how is AEW getting its candy this year for Halloween? Who did it dress up as? And I want to say before I start breaking down the details of AEW's costume that it's been wearing uh, really for the better part of a year or two now, but we'll say it's for today only. We'll say it's just for Halloween. But I want to give a little bit of a disclaimer before I go into it because I'm afraid, (laughs) excuse me, I am afraid of the AEW fans And AEW Marks, said with love, said with love, I'm afraid of the AEW Marks perhaps taking this a little bit too seriously. So this is your warning and this is your disclaimer, AEW Marks, that I'm about to cut a promo on AEW Halloween style. Okay, I'm going to say what I think they look like and dressed up as. Okay, now I I am going to be shit talking 
and 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 blowing smoke and not everything I say during this comparison is going to be one for one. Okay, it's not exactly the same and I get that. However, in my opinion this year for Halloween, AEW has dressed up as da, 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 WCW World Championship Wrestling and the costume it fits beautifully. The costume is not one of those cheap rinky dink. It seems like it was made out of leftover bed sheets or some shit and poorly sewn together and then sold to you at Spirit Halloween piece of garbage firefighter outfit. No. This WCW outfit that AEW is wearing for Halloween this year fits incredibly well it was the super expensive one mom even splurged and bought one of the really cool nice masks that they keep behind the counter at party city it's not one of those cheap plastic masks that they just have out that every kid tries on and it smells all weird in there and all the leftover residual breath and grossness and the little eye slits and the little eye slits are making little eye slits into your real eyes as they cut into your eyes and it doesn't fit good. <sighs> you breathe and you shut. No! This is a good outfit. This outfit fits well. So let's break down, shall we, all the different pieces that mom let us get. For our AEW, WCW Halloween outfit this year. The first thing, if you're going to dress up AEW as WCW, what's the first thing you're going to need? Well, you're going to need a billionaire mark to do all the funding for you, but then be largely uninvolved with anything after that. You just need this aging money mark to shovel millions and millions and millions of dollars into this wrestling company and ask fundamentally no questions, seem to largely be unconcerned, and for the most part, just mostly seem to be happy that the people he's giving the money to seem to be having a good time. Which means this year, for Halloween, Shad Khan has dressed up as Ted Turner! It's a spinning image! Sean Khan, of course, Tony Khan's father, if you're unfamiliar, he is the source. Call it what it is. I know it's Tony Khan, and I'm not trying to... I told you there'd be shit-talking today. Okay, Tony, we know where the money comes from. It's not a mystery. And we're going to have to throw a little shade on Halloween for it, uh, for the money coming from Daddy. But it is the truth that the money is coming from daddy. And it is an interesting disconnect when you look at both WCW and AEW. Perhaps some of the lack of direction, some of the lack of focus could in fact stem from the fact that the person whose money we are spending is uninvolved. (gasps) Say what you want about Vince McMahon, but when it's your dollar in it, you care. Or at least when it's Vince's dollar in it, he cares. But for Halloween this year, Ted Turner and Shad Khan, they didn't give a fuck. They didn't give a fuck. But here's the problem when you got this multi, multi-billionaire money mark funding the whole thing. He's not, he doesn't want to be involved. He doesn't want to get his, his, his fingers, his fingies all gross with the chocolates of Halloween, okay? Can you imagine Ted Turner covered in chocolate? Actually, I can. That's kind of a hilarious image as I take a moment and imagine an aging Ted Turner 
uh, taking a milk chocolate bath. I think that would be uh, erotic and beautiful. And I think that you guys should quit judging Ted Turner for that. But what I'm getting distracted from is these millionaires, they need somebody to do the booking. They need somebody to do the creative. And they want this person to be likable and approachable. And they want this person to be, um, shall we say, a little bit of a pretty boy energy. You know, we need a pretty boy booker who who seems intent on inserting himself into the show in sneaky ways, uh, in ways that make it seem like he's not trying to insert himself in the show, but we can all tell that the pretty boy booker is trying to insert himself into the show, which means Tony Khan for Halloween this year has dressed up as Eric Bischoff. We got a couple of attention-seeking pretty boys booking the AEW and the WCW this year for Halloween. Hey, no hate. It takes an attention-seeking pretty boy to, to, to recognize an attention-seeking pretty boy, okay? I've been accused of exactly the same thing in our EFED. <laughs> and it might be true for all I know. So no hate, no shade. I told you there'd be shit talking today. But it's the truth. It's the truth. You're talking about somebody uh, coming in kind of from outside of the wrestling business, again, takes one to no one, but you're talking about somebody coming in from outside of the wrestling business with somebody else's money and shoving that other person's money into their creative ideas. Eric Bischoff with Ted Turner's money. Tony Khan with Papa Khan's money. The similarities are getting spooky on Halloween. And I'm just getting warmed up motherfuckers this next one is is a bit simpler it's a bit more novel but now that we have the money and now that we have the booker well we're going to need branding and if you're listening to this or if you're watching it live I don't have any graphics for you but go look up the logo from Saturday Night Collision and go look up the logo from WCW Monday Nitro it was done intentionally that's right WCW is intentionally taking creative ideas from WCW, not ironically, on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. It's not even Halloween, and they just want to be WCW. But that's, 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 just, that's just a logo. That's just graphics. That's just the graphic department. That's just one small. It's just the booker. It's just the money. And it's just the branding, okay? AEW and WCW are not exactly alike. It's not a perfect one for one, okay? Because if it was going to be a perfect one for one, if the costume was really going to be as good as I've hyped it up to be, well, then we're going to need an A-list superstar wrestling talent to spearhead the company. And since the company is going to be new or floundering or kind of growing and finding its identity in a variety of ways, we may need to give this superstar wrestler not just a ton of money, but a special clause in their contract. You could call it um, creative control. We could give this person control over the creative vision of the wrestling company. But it's modern. This is a modern version of the costume. So we're not going to call it creative control. Let's call it, uh, let's put a title on it. Let's give them an office and a title. We'll call them executive vice presidents. 
and that and that'll be and that'll be our little code for creative control as we reconstruct WCW. I am of course pointing out that Kenny Omega has shown up to Halloween this year as Hulk Hogan with All Elite Wrestling. And again, I know it's not one for one. It's not exactly the same. There are differences. But man, and we're going to get in this in segment two. I'm not going to put the cart before the horse like I normally do. In segment two, we're going to talk about the Kenny Omega MJF match. And I think Kenny Omega loses matches the same way Hulk Hogan wins matches. That might not make sense to you if you're listening to this. But Hulk Hogan was notorious for only losing matches. Uh, short answer, never. Whereas Kenny Omega is willing to lose matches. But I think that the one of the reasons, potentially, that this MJF-Kenny Omega collision match was done the way that it was done was so Kenny could lose it and perhaps not lose too much shine. And I feel like that the only person benefiting off of that is Kenny Omega. I don't think MJF benefits as much by beating Kenny Omega on a Saturday night show that nobody watches. I don't think AEW benefits as much by having MJF beat Kenny Omega on a Saturday night show nobody watches. I think the person who, in a sense, almost benefits the most from that is Kenny Omega. Because we're all going, all the marks are going to walk away. I'm getting, I did it. I put the cart before the horse. I'm passionate about this one. But all the marks are going to walk away from that match and did, saying how thankful they are to Tony Khan and how much they love these amazing Kenny Omega, best bout machine, five star Dave Meltzer jerk off matches. And so just by doing the match, Kenny Omega gets all of the credit in this way of doing it. Whereas if you were to, oh, I don't know, build it up and sell it on pay-per-view and maybe do it after a, like you've already announced a different main event for MJF at a different pay-per-view, so we got to assume he's going in as champ, maybe do it in a context where there's a build and anyone can win and we don't just know Kenny's going to lose and already like understand that or at least the smart marks or whatever and now we're just watching the match because once we're in that place we're, oh we already know the outcome we're here for the match that means Kenny Omega that means let's let's bring this home brother let's just bring this thing. let's 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 do a boot at a leg let's bring this thing home by getting to create the situation where all anyone cares about is the match, all anyone cared about was the fact that it was Kenny Omega. And Kenny Omega becomes the one who benefits. Kenny Omega becomes the one who wins. He gets to drop the leg. He gets to be like, oh, Kenny Omega, another amazing match against MJF. And it's literally Hulk Hogan all over again. And I'll double down on it in a certain way, you guys. Kenny Omega was, it seems like a year or two ago, everyone was pointing at him with the women's division saying that Kenny Omega was booking the women's division. I mean, this costume fits perfectly because the women's division has been a nightmare for a long time, which means we have a super megastar wrestler coming into our company who we have overpaid and given too much creative control to. Hulk Hogan, meet 
or Kenny Omega, meet your costume, Hulk Hogan, and it fits really nicely. Mom splurged for the good one. Sorry to say it, but I know that you feel lonely, Kenny Omega, with this really nice fitting outfit. So you're gonna, we're gonna bring in a couple of buddies who will also have creative control. Because we know that all you guys, you guys all like hanging out. We know that you got some but, some boys that you like to get down and dirty with. Uh, you like to kind of do your own thing with those boys. So we're going to bring in some more boys. We're going to give them creative control. And that, of course, means that Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson of the Young Bucks have shown up to Halloween this year in their Kevin Nash and Scott Hall Outsiders outfits. And, you know, maybe this one doesn't fit particularly well. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall were big and strong and powerful and actually looked like professional wrestlers. The Young Bucks uh, looked like a couple of wash-up has-been surfers that I would see bumming around the Oregon coast here where I live. But it's neither here nor there. They have the power. They have the money. They have the creative control. And they're the little duo backing up Hulk Hogan. Wherever you see Hulk, you see them. And they have creative control, too. And they're actually booking things behind the scenes, too. And they're EVPs, too. Because everyone can be an EVP. Because everyone can have creative control. When you're dressing up as WCW for Halloween, history doesn't repeat itself. (laughs) It's almost spooky, isn't it, wrestling fans? I mean, I'm still going. I'm I'm just getting started, wrestling fans. This costume is so good. I know in years past, mom would get the shitty spacesuit costume and it wouldn't be very comfortable. Mm-mm, not this year. Not this year. Mom knows that you're getting older and that you're not going to want to wear costumes anymore and that you're about to spend all of dad's money and there won't be money for costumes in the future. So we got to buy a good costume this year. We're going as the WCW. You know, it again, it's not all one for one. I... I think this is the one that maybe fits the least. The the Outsiders and the Young Bucks uh, in terms of those individuals comparing them. Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and uh, Matt and Nick Jackson. But when you talk about... Mm, told you I was going to shit talk. When you talk about arrogance exerting creative control over a wrestling promotion to the detriment of that promotion, I think you might be talking about the elite because let's just continue the metaphor let's continue putting on the costume I mean it's almost time to go trick-or-treating let's keep sliding that costume on let's take our our superstar wrestlers who all have creative control who all have too much creative control and let's put them in a faction together and that faction's going to be hype as fuck for like six to twelve months And then after that, it's going to be totally directionless. I mean, it can have amazing uh, stories. We can build Kenny Omega and Hankman Page and the Bucks and the Elite. The Elite. All Elite Wrestling. The Elite. Kenny Omega, Hangman Page. Kenny Omega betrays Page. Page kicked out of the Elite. Kenny Omega, the belt collector, covered in belts, covered in glory, covered in championships. And then meanwhile, Hangman Page, covered in anxiety, covered in a drinking problem, covered in his loneliness. Scales the mountain, climbs to the top of his demons. 
and plants his flag at the top of AEW and vanquishes his old friend, new enemy, Kenny Omega. And we had, for six months or a year there, the most amazing storyline centered around the elite. And it was the best story in professional wrestling. And it was the best story that pro wrestling had seen in years, I would say. And it was the story that drew me back into wrestling, the elite. And the story that drew me into pro wrestling for the first time in my life. Hulk Hogan making his way down the ramp. He's here to help. He's here to save his old friend. One last time, the macho man, Randy Savage, needs Hulk Hogan's help. And Hulk walks out there, drops the leg on the macho man, and joins the outsiders and forms the new world order for the first time in 30, 20 years. Hulk Hogan was a bad guy. And Hulk Hogan didn't give a shit if I took my vitamins. And Hulk Hogan didn't give a shit about the wrestling fans or the wrestling prayers or any of that bullshit or the mega powers. He was here for Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and himself. And for six months to a year, it was the most amazing story in professional wrestling. It was the coolest fucking thing any of us had ever seen. And we all begged our moms to buy us the NWO t-shirts. No, not the shitty Walmart ones. I want to get one from the, from the show, from the merch line, mom. I want to get one of the real ones, one of the good ones. And then after that, the elite, what happens? Nothing, 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 nothing. Point your fingers at all your reasons why, elite marks. What the fuck have they truly done story-wise, accomplishment-wise, since Hangman Page defeated Kenny Omega for the world title? The one opportunity anyone in that faction had to do something interesting was when FTR was hot as shit and they could have had the rubber match between FTR and the Young Bucks. But old Kevin Nash and Scott Hall with their creative control, they were like, why don't we just do a trios thing instead? Let's do a tri- this match would make money, but let's do a trios thing because we think that's a good idea and we get to pick. Because we get to pick. Because reasons. Because reasons. We're picking. We're picking. We're not fighting FTR. It was the one opportunity they had to do something interesting. And they just, they just fucking, I don't know what the word is, slinked out of you. It was like all of a sudden the Bucks weren't tag team wrestlers anymore. And it, it, it was like the finger poke of doom. It was just bullshit nonsense that didn't make sense. Everyone was... Uh, gearing up for this thing or expecting this thing, and then it was robbed from us. And then it was just like, oh, all in, London, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bucks, FTR, yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of the Bucks, didn't they win, like, the opportunity to challenge for the tag titles and nobody has mentioned that at all at any point on the shows? That's, that's what I'm saying. If this is your moneymaker faction, maybe go somewhere with it. Maybe go somewhere with it. Okay, the next bit of the costume, I had to check my notes, my apologies. The, the next bit of the costume, we got a few more. We got to get the gloves and the shoes on, and, and then we'll be ready to go trick-or-treating. We're at the home stretch of this outfit. This has been fun. Thank you for listening. Those of you, I hope you're enjoying this. 
Uh, and if you're an elite fan, I hope you're getting really riled up. I, I, I hope you, I, I hope you hate me now. <laughs> I suspect you might if you're a big fan of the elite, but we had to talk some shit this year for Halloween. We just had to do it. We don't always get to pick what we're going to do for Halloween. Some years we wake up and it's like, no, we're going to have to talk some shit this year for Halloween. The next part of the Halloween outfit, AEW to WCW, is that we need to, in our wrestling promotion, to make this costume truly get over, is we need to start trading some of our developing talent, our rising stars, our our athletes who are in their prime, and we want to trade those functionally to the WWE, and in return, we're looking to get uh, wrestlers anywhere from 10 to 30 years older than the wrestler we sent over, and we're looking to pay that new wrestler roughly twice what we were uh, paying the old wrestler. So we got we to gotta trade away the talent that uh, is most likely to succeed in the future and young, developing prospects. We want to send them to the WWE. So I'm talking about Jade Cargill. I'm talking about Cody Rhodes, okay? I'm talking about Eddie Guerrero. I'm talking about Chris Jericho, okay? Can you imagine Cody Rhodes with young Chris, WCW Chris Jericho, blonde locks flowing through his hair? That's Cody Rhodes for Halloween this year. He's chosen to go as a very young, very sexy. Chris Jericho jumping ship from the WCW because he can see that there's no direction or future for him there and then heading over to the WWE where well hey at least there's some storytelling and opportunity what a fucking novel idea oh I'm going hard today and then in exchange for that we want to get some wrestlers back from the WCW, or excuse me, from the WWE, who are kind of past their prime. So we're bringing in, we're bringing in Bret Hart, okay, and that's going to be Edge. Edge is going to dress up as Bret Hart this year, okay. The Hitman's coming over. They're both Canadian. They got the Canadian connection. So I think Bret Hart's going to be honored to be, or excuse me, I think Edge is going to be honored to be dressed up as Bret the Hitman Hart, and then another aging. WWE uh, star that we want to bring over uh, for WCW is, of course, Ric Flair. So, you know, Ric Flair, WCW, the AEW equivalent of an aging Ric Flair who's past his prime and doesn't need to be on the show. Oh, wait, that's just Ric Flair again because he's back at AEW. The nature boy is unstoppable. Ric Flair for Halloween this year is Ric Flair. Why would he be anyone else? Congratulations, Nate. You're killing it out there. <laughs> and congratulations on uh, getting Ted Turner's money for a second time here. You do it. You do it. Awesome work out there, Nate. No hate to the aging Nature Boy Ric Flair, and I just wanted to make that joke because the Nature Boy Ric Flair really wasn't an aging WWE star coming to WCW. He had been around in WCW and the NWA, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I love Ric Flair. Okay. Last part of the costume, and then we're going to take a break, and we're going to talk about that MJF-Kenny Omega match a little bit more. Appreciate you boys going on this ride here, Rope Break Episode 8, here on Halloween with me. This is the last bit of the costume, and like I said, Halloween. It's not Halloween if there's not some scariness, right? Like haunted houses, it can't all just be cutesy, you know, 
pretty boys and sunglasses and ponchos, right? Like, you need some horror vibes. You need some blood and violence and guts. So we're going to need some zombies. We're going to need some zombies to complete the AEW WCW Halloween costume. And the zombies are going to be played by the rest of the aging WWE superstars who have come over to the company for one final paycheck. (laughs) And I am, of course talking about Matt Hardy. He's one of the zombies in the costume. He even kind of moves like a zombie in the ring at this point. I'm talking about his brother, Jeff Hardy. These directionless zombies, and they're just moaning. They're moaning for brains. They want brains not to eat. They're just hoping somebody in creative has a fucking brain and an idea uh, to put them on the show. They're going, brains, creative, creative ideas. So we're talking about Matt Hardy. We're talking about Jeff Hardy. We're talking about Miro. We're talking about Soraya. We're talking about Jeff Jarrett, motherfucker. Coming in at 175 years old. It's Jeff Jarrett. We're talking about Andrade and Claudio Castagnoli, who uh, have begun to get a little bit of a foothold. It's not a perfect costume all the time in collision. And uh, I will say... That the reason Claudio Castagnoli makes this list for me is because the character work he's doing with the Blackpool Combat Club is some of the stupidest. Here, I'm going to put, no, I got the recording for the main cam, but I, I'm thinking about the TikTok. I'm getting ahead of myself here because here's the thing. The character work for Claudio Castagnoli has been some of the most aggressively stupid, nonsensical disconnected shit I've ever seen. He doesn't seem to have a personality. It's just like his ability to sometimes be focused and angry lends himself to being in the Blackpool Combat and European because Blackpool, even though it's led by two Americans, the Blackpool Combat Club is so fucking garbage. Oh, oh, so it just, and then there's, and it's literally filled with the zombies who are just like, We're angry about things. That's our gimmick. Brains. But the reason Claudio matters to me in this is because the other side of that is in the ring. Claudio's amazing. Claudio can work like a grappling worked wrestling match. If you happen to see the buy-in to Wrestle Dream, he wrestled a guy named Josh Barnett in like a technical Zack Sabre Jr. Brian Danielson sort of way, and it was almost as good as that. It was phenomenal. But Claudio, with the strength, he's got charisma and pop, the giant swing. He can do other things, slightly more modern things. Claudio's like, he's built to be like a monster heel. He could be a baby face too. Like there's so much you can do with Claudio Casagnoli. Instead, he's like the third or fourth guy on the list in a garbage fucking faction, wandering around the plains, wandering around the city, the emptiness of the broken down city that is AEW post-apocalyptic. It's Halloween. Stay with me here, wrestling fans. And there's old Swedish Claudio. Brains, brains, somebody have a fucking idea for me, brains. The last and final bit of the costume before we take a break and talk about that sexy Kenny Omega MJF match from Saturday Night Collision. The last bit of the outfit is that somebody, 
Somebody in the world has to employ Tony Schiavone, and the good Lord knows that I'm not going to employ Tony Schiavone. That is the job of professional wrestling companies that are being broadcast on TNT, which means WCW, move over, because it's AEW's turn to employ Tony Schiavone and give him an opportunity that he does not deserve in the wrestling business. There it is. The costume is complete, wrestling fans. We're ready to go. I hope we get some butterfingers this year. Those have always been my favorite. Hey, this is Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast. I am the Greg Flynn. We're going to take a quick break and come back breaking down the weirdest good, but weirdest match in professional wrestling in Munson, I think. I'm 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 all excited. I'm getting I'm getting out of sorts. Let's take a break and talk about that match. We'll be right back. Wrestling fans, welcome back to Road Breakup Pro Wrestling Podcast, Episode Eight. It's a Halloween special. It's a Halloween extravaganza. Here with me, the Greg Flynn. Of course, Rope Break. Every Tuesday, we are live at 9.30 a.m. Pacific, 12.30 p.m. Eastern on Twitch and YouTube for the time being. I don't know I don't know where we'll end up eventually. If we'll end up on both, if we'll end up just on Twitch, if we'll end up just on YouTube. Could potentially see that uh, cutting out some work for me, at least in terms of the live and the video versions. We're not going anywhere for the audio version. And I am going down rabbit holes in my mind that I don't need to go down because today, well, today's a day we don't need to run from. It's Halloween. There's no, there's no good wrestling on tonight. There's NXT tonight. Are they going to do Halloween stuff? I thought it was hilarious that the two big Halloween kind of spectacle matches that I saw both companies put it in the women's division. There was a Chelsea Green, and I saw Natalia. I won't lie. I sort of skimmed through it. Doing Halloween stuff with pumpkins on Raw. And then Hikaru Shida had that match with Abaddon on collision with pumpkins and violence. And thought it was interesting that both companies chose to look to the women for their hokey Halloween thing. Just, just an observation. Nothing to it. But we got to get back on topic. We got to get back to our Halloween costume. And we got to talk about this match. This match is truly bizarre to me. This match is omega bizarre to me. And uh, no pun intended. And if you uh, look at our Halloween costume, this is the final bit of the costume. Okay? We've got this horrifyingly, just terrifying costume. This is the scariest thing we've ever, any wrestling fan has ever seen, right? Is is the idea that AEW is WCW 2.0. We should all be terrified that I've just told you a story that should keep you up all night. Forget the candy keeping you up all night. It's the idea that AEW truly is WCW 2.0 that should be keeping you up all night, wrestling fans. And here's the kicker. This is the final bit of the costume. This is the this is the bizarre part, and this gets us into the match, which is that our pretty boy attention-seeking hot shot fly by the seat of his pants booker Eric Bischoff Tony Khan has some amazing matches in his back pocket that people care about and he's throwing them at you randomly trying to generate TV ratings in spots where 
maybe that's not supposed to be the move. We're going to talk about from from the, from my perspective whether or not this is the move and the move I'm talking about and the costume comparison we're talking about Kenny Omega versus MJF for the AEW world title that was given what 3 days notice it was announced on a Wednesday and they had the match on a Saturday Thursday Friday Saturday 3 days notice this is our Hulk Hogan this is the elite of elite, all elite wrestling this is the guy that we built around this is the cleaner and the most interesting impactful story we've ever told had him as the champion for the bulk of it until hangman beat him this is kenny by god omega kenny motherfucking omega and we're gonna just push this into this weird spot let's talk about why it's weird the weirdness to me comes from the lack of build and the fact that we have full gear booked for the Kia Forum in Los Angeles, a pay-per-view, and we are selling tickets to that on the back of MJF as the world champion versus Jay White. We're selling tickets on that understanding. Now, I don't think it it would actually be very interesting to have a swap, I think. I don't think that would be like a, 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 a you know suicidal move for that show, for lack of a better term. That's a violent way of putting it. But, but, but for lack of better, I don't think that would kill the show to swap out Kenny Omega into the main event versus Jay White. Interestingly enough, this is like maybe the only situation where something like that could even be plausible. But it was. And so I'll hand them that. And, and, and I gave them that during the match, and that was where I was able to suspend my disbelief as I watched. It was just behind that. But you don't need to even be a smart mark to already know that MJF is fighting, defending his world title. And Jay White stole the world title. I mean, we literally have an ongoing storyline built around a stolen world title. It, like... And now we're just put, oh, by the way, oh, in case you forgot, Kenny Omega still puts on amazing matches with slow builds and incredible finishes and athleticism and stunts and storytelling and video game level uh, moves and athletic maneuvers. Kenny can still do all that shit. Did you forget? Did you forget about Kenny? Oh, you did? Here he is. Don't forget about Kenny. I, I, I don't know if that's the energy that, that that this got booked with, but it feels like it because Kenny Omega is losing matches. Like, here's here's the thing. What's the point of Kenny Omega losing to Konosuke Takeshita if that doesn't push up Takeshita in any sort of impactful way uh, in terms of combat sports and athleticism, a.k.a. why isn't Takeshita getting the world title match? Oh, because yet again, the premise for a championship match is simply that the champion has the thinnest skin ever. And if you just interface with him in any way, he's going to give you a world title shot. Jay White, did you just talk to me? Well, then you'll get a world title shot. Kenny Omega, you just lost to one of the newest wrestlers on the roster, but you've interfaced with me. World title shot. You've earned it. 
like, okay, yeah, you've earned it by being Kenny Omega, sure. And everyone knows what this match is about. This match is about doing the match. It's not about a story behind the match. And that's, I think, what sucks. And I think I can kind of, I can speculate at why it's done this way. And I think that there's a few things you can point at. First off, MJF's contract is up at the end of the year. So I wonder if they feel like they got to get to some matches that they haven't gotten to in a variety of ways. First being, what if MJF leaves? Second being, what if MJF is disgruntled? What if MJF feels underwhelmed by the fact that the bulk of his story has related to fucking Roderick Strong screaming at his tag team partner? I mean, half of this title reign is literally about getting Roderick fucking Strong over as a comedian with Adam Cole and all of that just happening in the periphery of the world champion. That has been the world champion's story so far. And what's so fucking frustrating is when I'm watching somebody like Jay White fight MJF at full gear, what's in my mind, MJF's winning. This isn't the one. So we need to eventually transition into opponents that could be the one. Who, who could actually take the title off MJF? Throw two or three of those names at me in a row, and then whichever one it actually is, you pull the trigger on, they beat him. Right? Like, I don't know. That, that's how I saw it on my mind. And, and to me, I saw Kenny Omega as being one of those people. I saw Kenny Omega being somebody you bring in when it's time for MJF to lose. Maybe right before it's time for him to drop the belt. Because Kenny Omega is a viable option for him to drop it to. And the other thing about Kenny that, you know, he's not Hulk. He will lose matches. So then you can drop it to really whoever you want to at that point. Because Kenny has a certain amount of equity amongst AEW fans. So there's a lot of subtlety and 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 build and hype that could have been there naturally this is the super match this is the super match the AEW's built for MJF truly homegrown Kenny Omega homegrown in terms of an American audience homegrown in terms of AEW's audience in many ways and so you're just you're talking about a match that can have impact and meaning and hype driving it. There's so many Kenny Omega fans, and we are in the process of making so many MJF fans that that collision, again, no pun intended, uh, between the two could have felt so different. I felt like when I was watching that, my hope was just that it wasn't a double DQ. My hope was just that I would get some sort of great Kenny Omega match and that that was the best I could hope for in a certain sense. And that, boy, that sounds harsh, but that's the thing about booking wrestling. That's the thing about storytelling. And that's the advantage you get when you create a narrative and a build versus just booking dream matches and expecting the fans to be like, thank you, Tony Khan. 
Thank you for doing this, Tony Khan. And if you get on Twitter, if you get on social media, if you get on TikTok and you say, I think there was a more interesting way to do this, much more interesting way to do this, the backlash is you should be thankful for what you got. Like, as if evaluating the entertainment that I'm consuming is related to the level of gratitude I experience in my life. I'm just observing (laughs) as I watch the entertainment that, man, this isn't it. This isn't what it could have been. This is is less than it could have been. And why? Why? I talked about this last week on the podcast. When I see that, my mind wants to know why. Is, is the reason why? Because MJF's title run has been underwhelming, and we are afraid that he is going to walk when his contract is up at the end of the calendar year, which is almost here. We're two months away from the world champion of AEW not being under contract. I mean, look, that's, a, that's an obvious one to me, too. By the way, they just announced a pay-per-view for like two days before his contract is up in his hometown. I don't know. Isn't that the night you book him against somebody that he could drop the belt to if you do get the feeling he's walking? And if you do have a new contract signed, that's the night. Same thing. If it's booked against somebody he could actually lose to, but then he wins, and that's kind of your way of telling the smart marks MJF is coming back, that would be fucking phenomenal. That would be super interesting. The pop he would receive, it's going to be in his hometown of Long Island. Like the, the pop would be nuts to have him get over in that spot, and you could book him against a heel that is viable and have the heel get over on him in that spot if you feel like he's walking or if you feel like that's what you need to do in that moment. And Kenny Omega can go heel baby. He could do, we could do all that. We can do all those things with Kenny Omega. Maybe they have somebody else lined up for that spot. And maybe Kenny Omega just wanted to put on a great singles match in a prominent spot. I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't fucking make sense. And so all of that shit, this is what gets, this is, this is what infuriates me, to be honest, about how wrestling matches get booked. Like, if you're a television program and you're taking my money to entertain, I know all that shit before the match. So you've hamstrung yourself. You've just thrown out Hulk Hogan versus Goldberg on free TV. And it's a very different situation. That's the reason that didn't get included in a way as part of the costume is because in the WCW example, we were building Goldberg. He was on the upswing. And so it was kind of a bigger question when that match did happen. We, we had the build already in place, frankly, with the Goldberg Hulk Hogan thing. The build was Goldberg's ascent. And could would could the ascent continue over Hulk Hogan, right? So the build was already sort of in place, and then they just rushed it. And I guess in a weird way, that is the similarity here, because the build is sort of in place. You have Kenny Omega established and viable and believable. You have MJF established and viable and believable. And then you took away a lot of that believability by, like, just throwing this match on a Saturday night to try to get ratings for the show. You got to get ratings for the show. MJF is leaving, not is leaving, but his contract is ending at the end of the calendar year. That's a real thing. The ratings for collision are awful. That's a real thing. The ratings for dynamite are awful. 
that's a real thing. All these things are real. And so to, to call it like hot shot rushed booking, reactionary booking is I think a little unfair without knowing every detail of, of the tapestry of the contracts uh, with television outlets, the contracts with wrestlers, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot going on there. But, but I, I think that this match could have been a lot more special. And, you know, they can do Omega MJF 2, 3, 4 over the course of the next few years. And those things can be super special too. But it made it harder for me to enjoy this match. It made it harder for me to believe in this match. It made it harder for me, you know, I, it's, I was curious what the finish was going to be. And Don Callis tries to get involved, kind of unable to get involved. And in a certain sense, MJF beats Kenny Omega clean. And then it's like, man, does that mean more? It does. It just does. It means more in different situations. So why are you sacrificing that to put this here? Is that worth it? The expression I always use was the juice worth the squeeze. Is the juice that you are getting out of Kenny Omega and MJF in this spot worth the squeeze? If you look at the ratings, I don't love breaking down the ratings week to week. I think, I mean, to be honest, you're going to get the answer to whether it was in the upcoming weeks, I think more so than that week. I mean, yeah, sure. Ratings went up a little bit. They were, it was like the fourth lowest rated episode of AEW Collision they've almost ever done or that they've ever done that wasn't against a WWE pay-per-view, if you will, or PLE. So it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad rating compared to what they have done in the past, below average to bad. It was actually a little bit better than like the last month or so, six weeks in general. Um, it's ugly, man. It's ugly. It's ugly and it's weird and it, and it, it seems fearful. It seems rushed. It seems like a stunt. It seems like an attempt. It feels like we are trying to do come up with something on the spot to give ourselves a jolt of momentum. And that's part of life. Sure. Sometimes you need a jolt of momentum. I hope it works for you, AEW. Like I, I again, I, I don't want to come across fully hating this choice. I want to I, <laughs> I want to come across as I am, which is fully confused by the choice, not seeing really what you gained, I'm not seeing yet in the ratings what you gained. I'm definitely not seeing yet what you have gained in terms of story. I'm not seeing what you've gained in terms of building MJF. That's the final thing I'll say. And I kind of talked about this before the break, and I'll 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 end on it, which is the whole point of these. The whole, when you're structuring these matches and when you're booking the show, the idea is for everyone to walk away looking good, looking strong, looking better. So that way, you know, marks like me and you will want to turn it on next week. And that's what I was pointing out before the break was the person who walked away from this looking the best is Kenny Omega. Because now Kenny Omega looks like just a bad motherfucker who's willing to put on a five-star match 
any given night in front of any given audience, and he's just one of the best wrestlers in the world. And all the smart marks are going to walk away from it saying, wow, out of nowhere, Kenny Omega pulls off another amazing singles match, and he's been battling all these injuries too, and that's why he's been doing the trio stuff, and that's why it's been a slow singles return. And just out of nowhere, he's got this amazing singles match. I, I, I don't... I. I, I don't get it. I don't get why anybody would think that's what we're looking to get. Really, who we're trying to boost here is MJF and AEW. We want those two things looking better. And the way MJF looks better than Kenny Omega is by beating him in a context where he might not. But this is a context where he has to. We're selling tickets in Los Angeles. Like, we got to do We It's done. We're, we already announced the world champion defending in a pay-per-view. Like, we already did that. So, he's going to win. So, he already looks better. He gets his reward before the match even happens. And sure, we have this great match. And sure, MJF can have great matches too. Just like Kenny Omega. Sure. And that was a great match. And it was interesting. And it was there was a back and forth. But... Again, if you're spoiling the endings to movies, like, and it just feels like AEW is releasing all these movies with spoiled endings, and then we're just like, you know, maybe you could not spoil every ending for us. And then the response is that we should be thankful for these dream movies that have amazing uh, character development. Okay, character development's cute. You're robbing us of all the payoffs. This is is bad. This is a terrible metaphor now. We're full of chocolate. Halloween, it's two in the morning. We're full of chocolate. The costume has been torn to shreds. We're watching our third horror film on TV, and it's just time for us to go to bed, I think. Wrestling fans, this has been Rope Break, a pro wrestling podcast. Uh... I I just got a YouTube follower and it totally threw me off on the OBS notifications. This has been Rope Break Episode 8, a Halloween special. I've been your host, the Greg Flynn. I hope you guys had fun. This was in good humor and in good jest. I, uh, I can have a satirical edge to me and I can come across hard. I know that about myself. I love AEW. I'm rooting for AEW. Okay? I'm rooting for AEW. WCW did a lot of fun things back in the day. I used to love WCW. But, uh, you know, maybe old maybe old Ted Turner, Papa Con here, needs to pay a little more attention to where his dollar is going. Maybe that's the solution. I don't know. Wrestling fans, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have my calendar in front of me, but I believe that the next three episodes of Rope Break uh, live will be on Thursdays. And then, of course, the audio versions won't be able to go up. I can't put up the pre-recorded version before the live version, okay, you greasy wrestling fans. So the Spotify and the YouTube, all the versions of Rope Break are going to go up on Thursdays uh, for the month of November functionally. And, uh, hey, that's all I got for you today, wrestling fans. Don't forget to check out my Halloween pay-per-view The highlights of that are going up on YouTube here in the next couple of days. Lucha de los Muertos. 
And if you want to see how I tell a story in professional wrestling, if you want to see how I cut a promo and how I do it, check that out on the YouTube channel. You should be able to see it uh, within a day or two of this video going live. And with that said, have fun tonight. Be safe out there tonight, wrestling fans in the world uh, of Halloween. Bye!